Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. the Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Brought to you by The Athletic UK as per. And today we're going to be reviewing the international break, rounding up all the Fulham players that have been in action for their country. And of course, looking ahead to Saturday's West London derby against QPR. What a way to come back to club football. Saturday, 12.30, Fulham looking to get back to winning ways. And it would certainly big up the mood within the fan base if we could get an important win against our rivals. We're also going to discuss Fabio Carvalho and Tyrese Francois and the contract situation there. And we've got a mailbag special, which includes loads of questions, specifically asking Peter Rutzler random things. I'm very, very excited to get into that. What's his favourite crisp flavour? What does he like in a meal deal? Does he enjoy cans on the train? All to be discussed. And here is the man himself, because it's the Thursday Club, Peter Rutzler. Hello, loads of interesting questions coming. I'm very excited. People <laughs> have been getting involved with the Ask Peter. That you know, you are a um, a mythical creature within the Fulham fan base, and people just want to get little nuggets of information. And also, Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. I'm excited about Rutzler replies, um, which is what we should call this feature. <laughs> I should have texted you before I put the tweet out saying, "Jack, I need a catchy name for this," and you'd have come straight back with Rutzler replies. Yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah, it's Rutzler gonna be revealed. A... Oh yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's the tabloid side of Peter Rutzler. Yeah, exactly. Um... <laughs> we'll find out more later in the show. Yeah, stay tuned for that. If nothing else makes you stay to the end of the podcast, uh, Rutzler Revealed hopefully should do. Okay, right, let's get into uh, just some of the international break roundup uh, and a few of the Fulham players who've been playing for their countries uh, in the past couple of weeks. And we should probably start, guys, with the matches that have just happened this morning. And maybe we should come on to the fact that why are matches only happening this morning on a Thursday? Uh, The USA, Anthony Robinson and Jamaica, Bobby Decker, Dover, Reed, Peter, both of them featured Anthony a little bit more than Bobby. It surely, first question, rules them out of Saturday. Well, yeah, you'd think so. And particularly after Blackpool and the recriminations of that game and that result. Um, But yeah, as you say, they they played this morning. Obviously, the time difference means the end of the the window, the Wednesday window was this morning for us in the UK. Um, So, I mean, what's it, 48 hours before QPR, a little bit more than that. Uh, or is it more than that? A tiny uh, bit more. Not a huge 50? amount more, yeah. yeah. Um, so you'd think that would rule them out. Obviously, Anthony Robinson started as a, a big win last night over Costa Rica for the US. Um, that puts him in quite a good position in, in qualifying. Uh, he didn't play a, against Panama, I think. That, I think that was due to COVID restrictions at the time. They lost that, lost 1-0, but they did beat Bobby, Bobby Decker over Reeds, Jamaica, in their first game in the window. Bobby came off the bench this morning uh, for their win over Honduras, which is, I think, that's their first win in qualifying so far. 
Yeah. Um, so that's that's an important result for them. Keeps them alive in the hunt, as you say. Um, but yeah, I guess it all comes back to how they return, and I, I, you just. I, I mean, they can't, can't, surely, surely can't be involved that we can, but who knows, who knows. Um, but yeah, good results for them, um, even though it's come quite late. Yeah. We actually had um, Justin Miller, um, a Fulhamish listener who tweeted us last Thursday, said, let me know if you guys need me to come onto the pod to discuss the Fulham FC derby, a.k.a. the Ricardo Pepe show in Austin, Texas tonight was pretty <laughs> fantastic to watch. And so he was at USA uh, Jamaica and took a photo of Robinson challenging Bobby, uh, which was quite good. We did ask Justin to send us a voice note, but he, uh, he, he sacked that one off. So fair enough. But thank you for the photo anyway, Justin. <laughs> Uh, Jack, let's move a bit closer to home to some of the European internationals. Probably best to start with uh, Harry Wilson. Picked up a good assist for Wales in their draw with the Czech Republic. Um, an unfortunate draw, obviously a big goalkeeper error for Wales. Otherwise they would have won that one. But ultimately a successful international break for Wales. Still pretty much in the hunt for a World Cup uh, playoff place. And yeah, it was a, it was a good performance for, from Wilson in Prague. Yeah, it was, uh, it was impressive. He came on about half an hour to go, um, slid in Dan James to score the equaliser. So, yeah, it's a nice little assist. Um, and then he went to Estonia where they won um, via an incredibly scrappy goal um, from Kiefer Moore. But it eventually got the job done. Um, Wilson nearly scored from a free kick um, would be my big takeaway from that game. I watched some of it. Um, but my the, my favourite thing and probably the most interesting thing in that game was ex Fulham man Matthias Kate is still doing bits and bobs for Estonia. So, um yeah, it was it was interesting to watch him just sort of ticking away over there. Very nice to see. We also had a scout at the uh, Czech Republic uh, Fulham game. Uh, Elliot uh, w- was there uh, watching Wilson, who's uh, a good friend of the pod and stuff. And uh, yeah, he saw a, a good assist for for Harry Wilson. Other than that, Jack, um, it was a fairly quiet international break from a from a Fulham perspective. Mitro got some minutes for Serbia, but um, didn't get himself on the score sheet like he normally does. He only played thirty minutes of that that last game. He came off the mm. bench. Um, he sort of bottled around for a bit didn't do too much but they were they were three one up and it wasn't too much to, to do to be honest but um yeah it was quite nice to see him actually not start that game because it does mean there might be a little bit more in the tank for Saturday and by god we need it there was a worry I think someone said Mitra only got 30 minutes and everyone went oh my god did he get injured um but no he came off the bench uh, they do for all for all the things that Serbia have plenty of depth up top with uh, Lukijovic and Dusan Vlavic so um Mitra can take a little bit more of a rest um, so that's um, that's nice. Uh, Slovakia got a draw against Croatia. Marek Rodak played for them twice. That was good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too lively a break. John Mikelseri didn't play the first game for the Ivory Coast. Played the second. Uh, they beat Malawi two one. Played that, seventy minutes. Um, odd. That group uh, for World Cup qualifying is really tight, isn't it? Between the Ivory Coast and Cameroon, John Mikelseri yeah. versus Andre Frank Anguissa, and obviously they play each other in the next set of fixtures. And only one team goes through, so one of those one of those teams is going to miss out, and that that that's quite tasty. Maybe mm. we need to do a live Fulhamish watch along of. Uh, will we get the a scout there for that one? If you well, say, maybe. If you, pay for it, if you pay for it, Sammy, I will go. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I'll double check the budget, and um, you know we've we've done okay with Kofi donations. Maybe we can afford you a flight to the uh, Ivory Coast. We'll have to see. You might have to pay your own hotel though. But um, yeah, we'll 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 try and get it sorted, Jack. I'll I'll, I'll do my absolute best. Thanks, mate. Uh, Cyrus Christie did get forty-five minutes for the Republic mm-hmm. uh, against a, a big win against Qatar. 
Big win. Great. What, what an international break for the Republic. Two wins. <laughs> I can't remember the last time that Ireland won twice in an international break. Uh, absolutely over the moon. Um, yeah. And we scored seven goals. Like, what's going on? It was um, it was enjoyable. Yeah, Cyrus came on. He did all right. Um, he, he had a fair bit of attacking thrust down that right-hand side. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would imagine that it's not going to change much in regards to who plays at the weekend, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see him get some minutes. Nice to see him on a football pitch. So, you know, plenty to plenty to enjoy there as well. But it was, I mean, the game was pretty much done and dusted by that point. It was 2-0 at halftime and, uh, and Ireland added a third pretty quickly after the break and were able to kind of just sort of canter the ball around at will. Qatar were very poor. I've seen Qatar a couple of times now because they're basically the sixth team in Ireland's group. Yeah. Um, unofficially at the very least and they they have been okay at times but they were very very poor um midweek so I'm not sure how much we can take out of it Cyrus looked okay huffed and puffed a bit down that right hand side but not too much end product um but yeah not not huge amounts to report I mean you've got to be bad to concede four against Ireland haven't you Yeah, now you do. Like that's not even that's not even an insult. You do. Ireland aren't very good at scoring goals, unless apart from Callum Robinson, who has turned into prime Robbie Keane for a bit. Ah, oh, CR seven. That's it. There you go. See the real CR seven. Peter, I don't know if there was too many more players on your notes. One that I guess did catch the eye, even though if it was only for a minute, was uh, Jay Stansfield making an appearance for England under twenties uh, against Italy. Uh, I always like the random places that the England youth teams played. This game was in Chesterfield, um, but he came on uh, for a couple of minutes. Obviously, there's not long enough to do really anything on the pitch, but a, a nice moment for for Jay and hopefully the first of many uh, youth appearances for England. Quite a good, quite a good break actually for for academy youngsters. Obviously, as you say, Jay Stansfield came on, came on against Italy. He also uh, scored against the Czech Republic in a five yeah, nil win for the under twenties. So that that was a big moment for him. Uh, got seventy minutes, I think, in that game. So a real, real bonus. I think England under eighteens, Michael Olakigbe, uh, he scored one, got an assist as well. I think they're in uh, Marbella. Javier Rojo played in that. So decent outing on the England front. Uh, I think Luke Harris was also on the score sheet for Wales. He's a really talented player. He's been with the 18s for a while now. He was with them last year as a schoolboy. Um, he's one to watch. He's, he's doing very, very well. Um, so obviously impressing on the international front too. I think Ollie O'Neill may played for the Republic of Ireland under 21s for the first time. Yeah. Not the best result, I don't think. No. But another, uh, <laughs> that's not a surprise, is it? Um, <laughs> um, but no, good to see, good to see him uh, making the step up onto the uh, international stage too. Um, so some, some bright sparks there with the, with the youngsters. Great. All right. Well, there's the uh, Fulham International Roundup. Not the, uh, not the busiest one, uh, but a couple of notable headlines here and there. Let's get on with looking ahead to QPR on Saturday. And Jack, this is a, a real test for Fulham. I almost think it's the game I would have wanted after that emphatic Coventry loss. Because um, I think you can win here and I think it writes a lot of the wrongs that we saw a couple of weeks ago against Coventry. But as we've seen all season, QPR are absolutely no mugs. They do have a defeat or two in them. They are certainly not an infallible side, but they are a very, very impressive side. And of course, slightly spearheaded by uh, one of our most dearest players. Yeah, now captained by one of our one of our dearest players. So that's a, that's an interesting one. It'll be interesting to see the reception that Steph gets um, on Saturday. But yeah, I completely see what you mean. I think that there's... 
something to be said about the fact that, you know, the international break is, has been quite a long agonizing one for Fulham fans because all you're left to do is stew on that defeat, right? And stew on the fact that Fulham haven't been as consistent as we'd really hoped that we might be. And then you suddenly look at this and go, okay, how do we go again? Where do you, where do you pick this up? And you have to pick it up for a derby game, right? So you have to pick it up. The fans will be up for it. Everyone will be up for it. And you, you look at that and go, right, opportunity to, to fix things. On the other hand, and on the flip of that, by the same coin, right? you lose this and everything is tripled rather than doubled in terms of a, a bad result. This is the one that would you'd struggle to get over and therefore it, it makes it imperative to win. And look, we, we say that quite a lot because, you know, at, at the point where we're at and where we want to be in this league, most games are must wins, right? But given that it has the proximity, given this is a kind of mad day for West London, full stop, right? Because obviously we play at 12.30 and then 5.30 uh, Brentford host Chelsea, which I'm not sure what the scheduling lads were up to there. Like, I'm not sure. The, the Met Police must be looking at them going, are you sure? Like, <laughs> why on earth have you done that? But Brentford um, and Chelsea don't hate each other. It's, no, all, it's, all, it's all a bit nicey-nicey, isn't it? Well, are so they, like, I believe they're the same fan base, if, you're not, if I'm not mistaken, right? <laughs> is, this, is, is it not just... Is it... I don't like someone said, oh, there's going to be 2000 Chelsea fans there. I was like, yeah, but in which end? Like, that's just, what about the away fans? Like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a funny one anyway, but um, on the whole, I think you look at it and go, this is, this is a huge game. Uh, you know, it would always be a huge game because it's a derby, because it's Rangers, because of all of the things it is. But then you add to that the fact that Fulham are in dire need of something to lift us out of a little bit of a mire and, and go, right, OK, we're back. We need to we need to redefine our position, reset the standards and go again. Um, and I think that, yeah, it takes on even more importance. The Met Police is having a bit of a shocker generally this week because for the first time in a long, long time this Wednesday, Fulham and the boys up the road in blue um, play at home on the same night. Uh, they face Malmo and then we've got Cardiff on, on Wednesday, which hasn't happened uh, in an extraordinarily long time. And I can't still can't believe it's being allowed to happen, but given the game six days away, I don't think it's being changed now. Peter. Yeah. I mean, QPR have had, um, mixed fortunes in the league in the last five as well. They won their last two. They beat Preston 3-2 at home. They also got a 2-0 win over Birmingham, both at Loftus Road, both fairly comfortable. But they had lost three in a row before that, um, two of them against Bournemouth and, and West Brom. There's no shame in that. And then a, a very weird 2-1 defeat to Bristol City, where I believe QPR had something like 70 shots um, on goal. It was just one of those games, a bit similar to our one against Reading, I think, from memory. Um, so, yeah, they've been on a bit of mix to form themselves and probably why they find themselves pretty much bang out on where Fulham are in the table. Yeah, they had some good early momentum, didn't they? And that's that sort of hit a bump with those those defeats. Um, but they did turn the corner. Obviously, they got that shootout win against Everton sandwiched between that as well, which I'm sure will have helped. Um, the result against Preston was particularly impressive, I felt, just because of the way they turned that uh, game around mid-game. It'd be nice to see Fulham do that. That's got to be one of their targets in these coming set of fixtures if if they find themselves behind. Um but look they've got they've got some good quality and I think we we spoke highly of QPR at the start of the season, uh, about the team that Mark Warburton's got together now. They've got that experience with with Stefan Johansson and, and Charlie Austin and, and players like that coming into the fold. Ilias Chair looks to be in some good form as well. He's a very talented playmaker in there and you know as much as he is a QPR player, I do admire him. I think he's very, very impressive. 
Um, so they will cause problems and, and you know, they are sixth and if they win, they, they leapfrog Fulham. So I think Jack Jack outlined it pretty well. I mean, you can't really afford to lose this game. It's the perfect game to be a springboard, but it's also one where you can fall through the trampoline. So um, we'll, uh, we'll see how it pans out. And I, it's got to be about response, I think. I think there's got to be energy. I think one of the main criticisms we've had of Fulham is, and, and, and the poor results that they've had is, is centred on lacking energy, lacking tempo and that was one of the things that we thought that a Marco Silva side would, would always bring and when they're at their best that that's the, one of their key key traits their ability to move the ball quickly one touch two touch back to front quickly and and to be honest I think the the fact that it is a derby game that might suit Fulham in that QPR aren't going to play to sit Mark Walton doesn't really set his teams up to do that so well, that should open some spaces that should offer opportunities uh, and it'll all come down to I guess performances on the day and 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 we can look at the selection coming up and I think there's some some headaches for Silver now and some good ones and hopefully with a few more players back in contention that will help. There's a, a funny thing about this. When you say this, they could leapfrog us. That would be quite grim in that it would effectively put us as the fourth best team in West London. Yeah. And no one wants that, right? No one wants that. We haven't been that, we haven't been that for years. <laughs> well, the, last, the last thing we can cling on to is not is only being, not being third the best. worst team, Not being the worst team in West London, yeah. Um, there's there's that, but there's also, I mean, I was talking to James Lawrence Allcott yesterday on the Jack and Joe show. I had the uh, honour of stepping into Joe Sansom's shoes while he was ill, so get well soon, Joseph. Um, but it was uh, we had a really interesting discussion about QPR and, and and their kind of tactical approach. And he was saying, you know, they're set up in the three four one two, which is the formation that's caused us a load of problems. Um, we, we've struggled against. And I was saying, you know, look, it's it's the teams that really press and push and harry and hassle that have have caused problems for Fulham. And James said that that's not really QPR style. Um, he said <laughs> they tend to sit back, sit off. He said they like to. Not not defend and not sit in a low block, um, but they like to slow the tempo down and bring the game down to their own tempo and try and try and kind of kill the momentum of any side playing against them. And I thought that was quite an interesting one. And I thought it might suit Fulham because if if QPR are letting us stroll the ball, you know, stroke the ball around at the back, and it only takes one or two key passes from someone like John McElserry or Harry Wilson to split a team open. And if they're giving us the time and space to do that, then it'd be quite interesting to see how they, you know, go for this one and how they change their system to to suit. Because Elias Chair, while he is a, a wonderful footballer, and I completely agree with you, Peter, it's someone that really, really stands out in that side, is not a pressing machine. He's not a Callum O'Hare. You know, he's not someone that's going to, you know, get around the legs and nip and tuck. He is someone who's able to, who wants a little bit of space. He wants a bit of time on the ball to to, to do his thing. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see if that allows us to open up and play the game that we want to play. Well, you saw Swansea, I guess, were a perfect foil. They also played with the three, five at the back, however you want to call it, but also didn't press like maniacs. And although Swansea had a couple of moments, Fulham found it fairly comfortable. So yeah, I think that is music to my ears, Jack. And we saw how well someone like Neeskins played in that um, Swansea game where he was allowed to get one-on-one with the with the right centre-back and more times than not, he sent him for dinner. Um, not quite as badly as your man in the Millwall game, uh, admittedly, but not not far off. So yeah, that, that is... still nursing a broken ankle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Peter, you mentioned selection headaches. Uh, I guess possibly goalkeeper and left-back are the, are, the, are the areas where Marco Silva has the most food for thought. It'd be interesting to see whether Tete, Carvalho, 
come back. Seems like Tete is more likely than Carvalho. Um, but yeah, what, what are we thinking in terms of the Fulham lineup for, for this game? How do we see it? How do we see it panning out? Well, I guess the, the, it comes back, first of all, as we talked about earlier, the internationals would be a bit of a surprise if, if Robinson comes in and starts just purely on the basis of time and needing to rest um, and maybe even sleep, the, the, the uh, time difference. But um, yeah, there's that. Uh, Goalkeeper is an interesting one. I, we've we've talked about it a lot. I, I think the fact that Gatsunig has been there for two weeks and Marek Rodak hasn't may count against him. Um, you know, we're at a point where, you, you know, it's, we are, I've talked about it loads of times. I think longer term, you've got to be looking at Marek Rodak, but um, and, and Gatsuniga's in it, not on, not exactly flying, I'd say. So would they rotate there? I'd be, I'd be surprised. Mm. Um, Kenny Tetter, yes, maybe he's been he's been back the back in the back in the fold. So is Tom Kearney. I think he will take a little bit more time, considering the amount of time he's been away from the action, and he would you know need to be built back up again. Um, and then then there's Fabio Carvalho, and um, whenever he's available, I mean he's been training for a little bit, so um, we'll we'll just have to see with it, with him. And, um, and, and, you know, I think we bring in uh, Harry Wilson takes that form. I think that was the only bit of the, one of the only games I saw actually was Harry Wilson against Czech Republic. I thought it was really impressive. Is there a role for him more centrally? I've been asked that a couple of times. I still think he's better on the right. Yep. Um, Niskin Scabano has been excellent on the left. So you'd keep him in there. And then you're looking in, in those central areas to, to reassert some dominance. I think against Coventry, it was far too fluid, far too open. Um, it felt like Harrison Reed was the only one in those central areas really but it felt a little bit exposed at times um so it'd be a question of whether josh onwa comes in obviously didn't have the best game at coventry um nat chalaba has been out with a hamstring problem haven't seen him back in the pictures so uh there'll be a question mark over his fitness um so there are some 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 dilemmas and i think you know john mccall series fit then then he'll need to start I think it yeah. might be Serian Serian Reed at the base, but I think we might see Domingos Kina if if Carvalho is injured still. Or, or Carvalho is not necessarily injured, but with the, the rumors coming out of the camp are that there was there was a COVID case. Um whether that was a serious one or not is is up for debate. But that was the the rumors coming out of the Fulham camp that Carvalho had tested positive. Um, and that's why he took a little bit longer to get back into training. But if if he's not able to play and if he's not available, I'd be surprised if, especially with Chalibur is is struggling for a little bit of fitness, Peter. I'd, I'd be surprised if Domingos Keener doesn't get the nod there at ten. Yeah, well, particularly if Decker Dover Reed can't um, be playing on on Saturday, you'd imagine it's a good opportunity for for Keener to. to I think these of... internationals will be on the bench. By the way, I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure that they will start, but I think they will still. I think you will still see Bobby and Anthony yeah. Robinson in the matchday squad. Yeah, yeah, I can understand them being on the bench, but hopefully, just kind of nursing a nice hot chocolate and uh, and we can hope not having to really come onto the pitch because hopefully the uh, the starting 11 can uh, get can the get job the job done. done and we can save ourselves a little bit for Cardiff which will be a tough test on on Wednesday but yeah we'll have to see how it goes uh yeah okay right we're after the break we're going to discuss the aforementioned Fabio Carvalho and Tyrese Francois what is happening with their contracts when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here and I'm joined by Peter Rutzler. Hello. And Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Jack mentioned it a minute ago, but the uh, the Jack and Jack show or the Jack and Joe show, however you want to call it, from uh, the other day that they did with James Alcott, who is uh, a big YouTuber, but also a QPR fan, is, is a really, really interesting watch. So if you want a little bit more in-depth analysis on Saturday's match and a bit of an opposition view, we don't tend to do too many of the opposition views these days, but you know when there's special circumstances like someone of James's kind of caliber to, to speak about the match. We do do them and uh, it's a really good watch. So head over to the Fulhamish YouTube channel if you want a little bit more QPR preview in your life. Uh, Peter, uh, you sent the Fulham fan base a rocking on Friday with your news about uh, Tyrese Francois's contract situation. He's turned down uh, a new deal at Fulham and obviously we've also got Fabio Carvalho's contract situation up in the air as well it felt like a little bit of soul searching from Fulham fans once this news came out I think Fulham fans are just getting a bit despondent and I definitely put myself in this camp of constant bad news regarding our academy players I know it's not just as simple as offer them all the money and and they'll sign new contracts and I I think most Fulham fans would appreciate we're not experts in how youth football works and there certainly it has its complexities that the the average fan like myself doesn't really understand but what is happening that so many of our good talents seem to see their future elsewhere as soon as they get a sniff of the Fulham first team. It's been happening now for kind of five, six years, started off with Moussa Dembele, Emerson Hyman, Patrick Roberts all those years ago. And it it still seems like the same problems are are, are rearing their ugly heads. I think every, every situation is pretty unique. Every, every player has got their own certain circumstances. And and that's certainly the case with, with Fabio Carvalho and Tyrese Francois at the moment. Um, I think if we were to just treat that topic with an overarching, you know, uh, reason for it, uh, there's no getting away from it's Fulham's position between the two divisions. Um, if you're going up and you're going down, if you're surviving relegation, you're competing for promotion, it limits opportunities. When you change manager, it limits opportunities. Um, that said, you look at this season, Fulham are in the championship. Marco Silva's given young players opportunities like Fabio Carvalho, who obviously excelled in the last year under Parker, um, and Thierry Francois as well. Um, uh, again, there's the sort of unique circumstances with these two. I think with, with Thierry Francois, obviously, you know, if we think back to the start of the season, the game against Charlton in pre-season, the, the last game before the start of the season, the two players combined for a goal. It had a very interesting sort of perspective on it. It looked like, well, these two could be really be involved. The circumstances have changed, for, particularly for Tyrese since then. You know, Tyrese in the summer was looking at potentially going to the Olympics with Australia. Didn't do that. Came in at preseason, trained with Fulham. Did really, really well. Impressed a lot of people, including Marco Silva. Um, played against Middlesbrough. Wasn't amazing, but didn't do particularly badly. Um, but then, you know, opportunities have, have become a lot slimmer. Um, we've seen that more players have come through the door. We've seen that Nat Chalibur arrived with Domingos Keener. Keener's a different sort of position. Um, and for a player who's 21, who hasn't got many senior minutes at all, I think from his view, it's a sense that he needs to be playing, you know, he needs to be playing senior minutes. I don't think that's even, I think, you know, if you want to build a career, um, there's no guarantee that you'll be with Fulham into the Premier League. You've you've got to be playing. You've got to show 
what you can do and, and build up that portfolio as you would with any sort of job, I, I guess. Um, and I think what looked like a season with quite a few opportunities now looks like a season with less opportunities. And I think the fact that he hasn't gone on loan before, the fact that he hasn't had those chances is, is counted against him. Um, I think that that's another side to it is, is those loan opportunities. Now, Francois has been injured. So he's been injured just now. He's had a hip issue. I think he was pictured back in training. So he may be back involved now. Um, he was injured last season. He had a really nasty hamstring injury. And, and sometimes that can happen. That can prevent your opportunities to, to, to leave on loan. And, and it depends, you know, some, you know, Scott Parker liked Tyrese Francois. He was a player that, you know, my understanding was that he wanted him involved this year anyway. Um, but there's so many, only so many times you can be promised these things. And I think it's probably got to that point with a year left on his contract. And, and that's why we're, we're looking at this situation, which I, doesn't look particularly great at the moment, but football can change. So there's no point, you know, you're not going to say he's going to go at the end of the season he's, or he's going to go in January because things things can happen that can turn things around. Um, but, uh, you know, that that's clearly an issue. And we've seen the changes Fulham have sort of made in the summer with their academy set up, Hugh Jennings stepping up into a more overarching development role. Partly that's due to Brexit and the challenges of recruitment at that level. Um, but then also it's about the pathway because Fulham are producing players, as you say, Sammy, and they're they're not being able to retain them for the first team, which is where which is where you want them. Now the, the other question, of course, is whether that's good enough for the first team, and we can talk about that too. Um, yeah. But Carvalho's situation is different, and we can we can talk about that anyway. He's <laughs> Fulham are desperate to keep him. Um, as I wrote last week, is he's changing his agent uh, in January, which is why there's been that sort of delay. Um, he hasn't accepted an offer yet. It's also worth saying that. Um, from January to the end of January, he'll be able to speak to clubs overseas as well. So that's going to make it more challenging. And yeah, it looks precarious, but that's not decided yet as far as I'm aware. No, uh, there was a comment at the top of your article, which you did about um, Carvalho and Tyrese Francois, Peter fr- from Henry. Uh, and, and I liked this sentence. I'd love to put this to you, Jack, which is we can't complain about player departures with deadline day acquisitions like Shalaba and Keener. And this is where I'm starting to think. I was really excited when we signed a player like Nat Chalabar. Who doesn't get excited by a good deadline day signing? And we're here saying, yeah, we need more strength and depth. We need more backup. I feel like, though, ultimately players are human and they will see how many players are ahead of them in the pecking order. And Tyrese Francois would have seen that deadline day signing of Nat Chalabar. And yes, he's got an injury, so it's, uh, there is mitigating circumstances, but gone. Oh, bloody hell. That's another player, another quite good player that I've now got to get myself ahead of. It was already pretty tough with Jean Michel Seri and Harrison Reed um, uh, ahead of me in the uh, in the lineup. And I just wonder, as fans, sometimes we want to have our cake and eat it. We want these youth players to come through and, and be starlets for Fulham, but we also want to sign good players on, on deadline day. So maybe some of our focus as fan base has to, I mean, it's not up to us as fans, but we almost can't have both. Yeah, no, I think that's completely fair. And I mean, there, there, there is a, a sense with all of us. And I, I'll say the same thing. We have a sense of uh, maybe kind of we deserve this uh, that maybe doesn't always fit with with what we're seeing and what we actually then come around and say later on. And I think it's completely fair. I think you can say, oh, you, you, if you spend the summer going, we need another bit of depth in centre midfield or a little bit light. Uh, and then you, you go to there and you, you go, oh, it's a real shame that Tyrese Francois is leaving. The two things are interconnected. Of course they are. It's, it's interesting. And, and something else I'll say, I suppose, is that 
an academy shouldn't purely be judged. And I say this quite a lot about Chelsea's academy. Um, academy shouldn't purely be judged on how many players they bring through to the team of note, right? Or to, to the team they are effectively feeding, right? It should be judged on how many players they bring through to the Football League. Because to get a player into the pyramid is an impressive thing in itself. To develop a player who is good enough to play in the Football Pyramid is an impressive thing. And all of these things count backwards, right? So if Fulham bring in, bring through five or six people who are able to, you know, play at whatever level in the pyramid, Fulham, one, or get rewarded for that in a, in a financial sense. And, uh, but two, they get, you know, that's how you keep your statuses. It's how you improve your, your ideas. It's, it's, all, it's about all of these things. And so a player who isn't necessarily going to play for Fulham. And and look, Tyrese Francois might turn out to be the next greatest midfielder in cha- at championship level, right? He might turn out to be, let's just say he goes on to have a career that is as good as Corley Woodrow's. Um, and you go, that's really impressive. And every year when Corley Woodrow scores 20 goals in the championship, people are like, we should never have sold Corley Woodrow. And I think, okay, sure, fine. I like Corley Woodrow too. But... Ultimately, if Fulham are trying to kick on and become a stable Premier League side, is that the person you want spearheading your thing? I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he is good enough and no, would have been right. good enough if we'd given him the opportunity. But the chance, the truth is, we don't know. We've only seen him score goals at championship level. So there's a kind of sense that sometimes I think we look at players and we go, oh, yeah, they're going to. How many players right now from our academy who have left would walk into the Fulham team? And the answer is not huge amounts, right? The answer is Harvey Elliott, Moussa Dembele, right? Like, yes, given what's happened. You'd have said someone like Pat Roberts has the ability, but hasn't. But, but never, know, has never displayed on. it, right? So, yeah. so that's what we're looking at, Elliott and, and Dembele. And Elliott is still very, very early. Well, I, right now? Yes, I would have Sessegnon at left wing right now. <laughs> yes, I would have him. I mean, that, look, I, I think I don't think that's a weird thing to. I, I don't think that's wrong for you to say. But I also think that right now we have no idea what level Ryan Sessegnon is playing at because we haven't seen him play football for so long. Mm-hmm. He was good last year in the Bundesliga without setting the world on fire from left wing back, which I don't think is a good position for him. Um, and now he's kind of struggling to get into that Tottenham team, which is fine. There's no shame in that. This is a good Tottenham team, but. There is a level where you go, okay, how much can people, you know, get on board with? How much can you do without necessarily just just being a little bit nostalgic? And always there's going to be that, oh, we like to see our own come through and and develop, et cetera. But sometimes you do have to just be like, okay, unfortunately, that player wasn't quite as good uh, as we needed him to be in the current situation. And therefore, you have to kind of just be like, cool, let them, you know, you have to let them go and do their own thing and develop themselves. And look, fair play to Cordy for going out and carving himself out of career at Barnes. He's obviously club captain now. And there's loads going on for him. And you're like, that's wicked. Well done. I still wouldn't have him back at Fulham. Like the, 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 those two things are not mutually exclusive, right? You can be happy with someone and say, congratulations, give them a good reception when they come back without saying, get back in the squad right now. We need you. Yeah. I guess for me, I think they, I think you're totally right. There's a bit of a, uh, like everything, there's a bit of a balance. I feel like having so many players that you sign on deadline day that completely screw over the youngsters' chances of even getting a minute or two in your side is not necessarily massively healthy. I think from what I saw in the Charlton and Middlesbrough games, Tyrese Francois was a perfectly capable understudy to be our, to be a DM understudy for a championship side. Uh, obviously, I would want Seri and Reed in there. And there's nothing against Chalaba. I think he's a good player and I'm happy to have him here and ultimately get him promotion is the most important thing but I would have been 
completely comfortable with Francois as our kind of cover DM for the season. And if he had to have a run of 10 games because Harrison Reed picked up a knock, I'd have, that would have been fine. We'd have missed Harrison Reed, of course, what team wouldn't. But um, no, I, I agree, Jack, ultimately it's it's about creating players and, and Peter I know that you are much more au fait with the actual lo- logistics of how many points that Fulham's academy gets for each player that we do bring through and there is financial reward even if Francois never plays a game for Fulham and, and leaves and becomes a solid player for Charlton yeah no Jack, Jack outlined it pretty well there is there is the benefit side that's why Fulham have retained their the category one status it's because they're able to produce players that can compete at a very high level and it's it's not it's not easy to do that um and then as we were talking about before the podcast as well jack uh before sammy um about the standard of the premier league now like look we look at what fulham want to do fulham want to get back into the premier league and be a stable premier league club it's a hard division <laughs> it's, it's probably the hardest in the world at the moment um you've got newcastle now about to be you know rain uh, showered in, in finance as well and to to build a team that can get you up and then hold firm there is is very very difficult and that makes it exceptionally hard for a young player to come through an academy without that experience now I think we, we've mentioned it before but improving that pathway giving them the opportunities to build those minutes and then break through is probably what Fulham need to do I think that's that's a pretty fair criticism at the moment um and then you've got to look at it from the manager's perspective too. I mean, Marco Silva's come in, he's got one one objective and that objective is to get the team promoted. Um, and to do that, he's going to want to use the best players at his disposal. If that means taking in a seasoned player who's got promotion last year and has played for England, uh, he's worked with before, then he's going to, he's going to sign him. I mean, that's, that's, just, that's just kind of how it works. Um, when you are able to build something and you know some the noises that Silva's made suggest he wants to do that, that that that's encouraging because then you can build a, a pitch, you can build a system through the club that allows players to to feed into his system and, and be trusted. Um, that that's got to be what the the ultimate goal is because ultimately, you know, an academy is there to feed the first team, you know, and and, and as much as you know, there are benefits to producing players elsewhere and 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 all of that. You, you want players to come through, so there is an element of time. I think once once you get that stability, that's that's what you get. Um, and, and I, I, I guess that's the, the dilemma at the moment. Is what, what, what do what do supporters want? What do people associate with Fulham want um, in the in the short term compared to to, to the longer term? So, I guess yeah. also yeah. in the case of Francois Jack is that he will have one eye on next December and the World Cup with Australia, which they normally qualify for. He's been on the cusp of getting into the squad. I'm sure he thinks if I was playing first team, even for a championship club, I'd have a chance of getting into that Australia squad, maybe not the first team. And probably he's thinking, I just need to get some minutes here because there's half a chance I could go to the World Cup and who would begrudge a player the chance to go to the World Cup, even just in the squad at his age? Yeah, absolutely. And you look at Australia's man mountain of a centre-back, Harry Souter, who plays for Stoke, um, who's scored six goals in six appearances for Australia. That's the incredible scene. Um, (laughs) He's about 200 metres tall. Um, And he, I mean, look, he plays at a championship club, right? And he is a first-team starter for for Australia week in, week out. Um, Week in, week out. Every international break, at the very least. Um, But it's, um, yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. And I think that if Tyrese Francois was playing solidly at championship level he will be in that squad so that's what he's got to look at and go right that's my opportunity I've, I've now got to nail that down he's also probably thinking I probably need to do this before next summer 
because actually, you know, at next summer, you'd imagine most people will have their their squads kind of in their head. Yes, there'll be a little bit of change here and there, but it's going to take something pretty exceptional to change a manager's mind in the few international breaks between August and November when it kicks off. So there's going to be that to, to contend with as well. So yeah, I think he's probably, you're probably right. He's got an eye on that. And that would, I would imagine, mean he's got an eye on something in January as well. Okay, right. We're going to take a quick break and then it's question time. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy here with Jack and Peter. Let's get into some questions then. We have some kind of normal questions uh, and then we have some mostly uh, silly questions. I'm going to go with a serious question first. This one is from uh, Liam White. Uh, he says, are we uniquely poor at coming back to win from a goal down or is it simply a rare occurrence in modern football? My quick deep dive since the 4-2 win over Brighton in 1819, where even Vieto scored, we've only pulled off the feet against QPR twice. Uh, could Lightning strike a third time this weekend? Um, Jack, it is a fair point. We're here going like, oh, Fulham can't come from behind. It doesn't happen very often, but also Fulham have had quite a few opportunities and not really even got draws most times, apart from a couple of times in the Prem. Yeah, I mean, I think we're uniquely poised this season in that not only have we, we failed to pick up a point, if I'm not mistaken, from when we have dropped a point, if that makes sense. So if we're winning 1-0 and we get the equaliser hits, we failed to win the game. Um, so that's quite interesting as well. It's not just uh, going behind and failing to pick up any points. It's also failing to kick on when a side levels up with us, which I think is a- an interesting one in itself. Um, so, yeah, I think we're uniquely poised in that regard. Um, I think we are struggling. But no, you're, you're absolutely right, Liam, in that it's not, it's not unheard of. It's not weird that teams who go, you know, the team that goes ahead tends to win a game. That, that, you know, that is the way that the football works. Now, obviously, it's not as black and white as that. And we do need to, we do need to start being able to at least rattle through some points from, from losing positions or, or be able to kick on again from, from being dragged back or brought back into the abyss. Um, but on the whole, yeah, it, 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 I think we are probably more, we are worse than the general statistic, but the general statistic is also that it's not easy to pick up points when you're from behind. We, Scott Parker had a similar issue with, with Fulham as well. I remember writing about this. Um, Fulham were very good in getting ahead, heading games and then securing results under Parker, but then we're never that good at coming back to secure points. And I think you're right in that, you know, it's it, it's not easy, but at the same time, Fulham need to be picking up points in these positions if they want to go up. I think only three teams haven't picked up points from losing positions. Uh Fulham, got it here, Fulham, Sheffield United and Derby. So um, it's something that Fulham need to address. And I think the issue with Coventry above all else, beyond just the fact that Fulham didn't take anything from the game, um, as well as, as Jack says, kicking on again um, in matches, it it was the way they responded. Uh, It's less of a concern if the team are able to then create chances and getting opportunities uh, when you're not doing that, when you're actually doing the opposite and you're struggling under the pressure, that, that's where it's a concern. So watching for that is probably more, more alarming, at least for me anyway. Uh, couple, uh, one more serious question before the uh, before the fun stuff. Sean Burdett piece says, what on earth is the latest with a director of scouting role? Complete silence from the club for a position that was needed in the summer. Yeah. Uh, last I heard on it, uh, I think I wrote about maybe a month or so ago um, was that it was still in the interview process. I don't know why it's been delayed. I 
I think my impression was that because it want, was wanted at the start of the summer, there was all the managerial uncertainty that it got pushed back um, to to now. I don't know why it's still delayed, but yeah, it's still happening uh, is the takeaway. Um, it's just not progressed as far as I'm aware. Right, here we go. It's the Ask Peter section. <laughs> I don't know why I played the horn. I just haven't had a chance to play it in a few weeks. So I thought uh, I thought I'd get it out. Right, okay. We're gonna we're gonna go quick fire here, Peter. Okay. Okay. Harry Shackleton, mini cheddars or twiglets? Hashtag packed lunch, Peter. I'm not a fan really of either, to be honest. But I'll go with I'll go with twiglets. No. Um, um, I don't mind mini cheddars. It's just it's like with what's it what's it? You get them on your hands. I don't really like that. So. I'll go with twiglets. Okay, I don't care. Would you rather fight a horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Oh, I got asked this in a discussion page. I think I went with the a hundred ducks. No, I think I went with the one duck-sized. No, 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 a hundred, hundred. Go with a hundred. Yeah, uh, all day. Duck-sized horses. So yeah. hang on, yeah. I got, still, I got they are like little dogs though. So like this is where it's it's actually not straightforward. Like, they they would cause you problems. Like dogs, you know, dogs are decent size. No, duck, not dog. No, I know, but ducks aren't far off a dog, are they? I mean, what? So what dogs yeah. do you? Oh, come on, yeah, there are dogs the size of ducks. Hang anyway, on, like the chihuahuas. Hang on, hang on. I got yeah, asked... but there's a hundred of them. That's a lot. That's a lot, a lot to deal with. There's a lot of chihuahuas. I got asked a variation of this the other day that I really liked, so I'm going to put it out there. That would you rather fight a chicken every time you get in your car, or <laughs> once a year have to fight an orangutan where you get a sword? <laughs> but it's completely random like the orangutan can spring up on you at any time like you, but you always just... have a sword no the sword magically appears in your hand okay um i'd go for the i'd go for the orangutan get it done chicken in the car oh, that's so annoying though every time you need to go to sainsbury's you have to kill a chicken yeah that's, but well annoying. that's just more manageable than an orangutan i just i don't <laughs> drive so i would be picking the chicken oh right yeah yeah but imagine you had to do it every time you went on the tube yeah like, whatever like yeah that'd be annoying yeah, just, as well you just kick it under the tube wouldn't you well that's a lo- <laughs> lovely image <laughs> okay richard bamber asks favorite tinny um, am I supposed to say tiskies to this? Um, no, no, no. You can say. Whatever. I mean, if you like a tisky, then well, who does like a tisky or a tisky? Is it tisky? Tisky. I think it's a tisky. Yeah, I could be wrong though. Who said tisky? I thought it was a tisky, oh, but that's not, that's not right. Um, uh, buds probably for me. Bud. Bud. Interesting. Bud. Interesting. Okay. Mm. Uh, George says, "What's your go-to meal deal?" Um. I promise I won't judge you too much. That's from George Rossiter. Good question. Uh, I've gone off the sandwiches because if you, I've started reading the, you know, the little traffic light thing. The percentages are enormous. It's like getting a McDonald's for some of those sandwiches. Yeah, it is bad. Um, so I would normally pick a pasta. I like the, if we're talking Tesco, uh, the mustard chicken one, honey mustard chicken one. I can't remember that's yeah. what it's called. Yeah, it's a good pasta. Always take one of these smoothie drinks. Just, you know, get your value for money. So one of the instant smoothies or other ones that are available. Do I have other that? smoothies are available. Yeah. Other, other smoothies are available. It's not the BBC. It's only an athletic. You can, you can brand plug all you want, surely. Yeah. Sammy's okay. going to, Sammy's going to be on here plugging manscaped in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then what's the, the other thing's a snack, isn't it? So it'd probably be a packet of crisps on the Doritos or something. Yeah. Fair. Okay. Uh, 
Well, that, uh, Sergio asked what's Peter's preferred sandwich. So I guess that is a slightly different one because you didn't answer it in that particular no, one. No, I didn't. What, what, I what didn't. is your preferred sandwich if you had to go for one? Uh, if it was from the meal deal section, it'd be a Plowman's, but I do like I do like cheese sandwiches, a cheese and pickle. Yeah, that'd be me. Ooh, cheese and pickle, not for me, Clive. No, okay, me Matthew says, would you rather wear Scott Parker's white jacket or Savisa's sleeping bag coat? The sleeping bag coat. I think the jacket is something unique that I wouldn't be able to pull off. Um, I fancy myself in that jacket, to be fair. We're talking I about reckon, the, the, the cream one, right? The white yeah, the, yeah, the cream. Yeah. I, re- I, reckon, not for me. I reckon I'd have a great time in that jacket. A pair of blue jeans, <laughs> that jacket. I'd be the business. And, and your slick back hair, Jack. Yeah, yeah, I'd look the business, trust me. Uh, Laura asks, favourite and least favourite match you've ever covered? Uh, I assume maybe let's just go with Fulham on this, but I guess you can include Bournemouth or any of your past jobs. Uh, I'll do least favourite because that was a Bournemouth game. Um, Bournemouth-Burnley in the Premier League. Genuinely, the worst match of football I've ever seen in my life. It was horrendous. The ball barely touched the ground. Weather was crap. The goal scored in the 90th minute for Burnley and it just like came off Simon Francis's shoulder and hand and then went in and it wasn't ruled out. Or oh, no, it came off Chris Woods or Cushley Barnes. It was one of the two. Anyway, dreadful, absolutely awful. I think like after 10 minutes, there was an announcement saying that someone left their car running in the car park, which I didn't think was a thing. I just thought that was for FIFA games. Um, that yeah. was because they were like, let me see what 10 minutes this game is like. And then I might just absolutely bin it off. They yeah, probably yeah. went to, they went to the car. They were like, you know what? I'm going to go. There probably would have been competition for his car after that announcement. Um, and then the best game I've covered. Uh, oh yes. I have to, I have to say the playoff final um, in uh, last summer, last summer, because I was one of the unique ones who were able to go to that game. Not last summer, summer before last. Yeah, summer of 2020 pandemic football, but yeah, it was a, a unique experience. But the Joe Bryan's goals were very impressive, very special. So yeah, and also I won't go to a game like that again where it decides my future like that. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Which side will I end up? Uh, will I end up covering? All right. Well, I think that's a good um, ask, Peter or Peter reveals or um, Russ reveals. reveals. Come on, Come uh, on. sections. Uh, Peter, did you enjoy the grilling? Uh, not really. I, I, I didn't give that much away about myself, although I did feel quite personal, you know, the sandwich questions, you know, that, that's a real intimate side to me that not many people will actually get to see. Maybe we'll do that again, another international break or something, or we could get into, maybe we could do this with several different, um, you know, Fulhamish contributors. Maybe we, maybe we put this over to Jack one day and, and vice versa, you know, Jack put it onto me, you know, we just uh, grill each other every international break. Fine. Everyone I'm knows everything sure. about me anyway. I wear all my heart on my sleeve. Yeah, you do. Now there must be a couple of dark secrets we could uh, we could eke out of you. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening today. Uh, some serious stuff and some fun stuff in there. Hopefully, a nice balance of the two. Uh, we'll see what happens against QPR on Saturday, twelve thirty kickoff. Can Fulham get back to winning ways? I certainly hope so. Uh, Jack Collins, thank you very much for being on the pod today. Thank you, Sammy. And Peter Rutzler, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll be back after the Rangers game giving some analysis of the West London derby. But until then, have a great weekend. Come on, you whites. You whites. Yeah.